If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark, please. Mark chapter 2 and turn there. And if you have the Bible app, you can see some of the scripture there as well in the Oasis Easton app. Uh, search in there. Well, Mr. Horner, welcome back. Hey. It's good to see you. Amen, amen. I, uh, I just have to say that when Mr. Horner was in the ICU and had everything going on with him, there was something about Jesus present in that room with the peace he had on his face. It's like it was just something else. And the way he was encouraging the doctors and nurses, for the most part, I would say, uh, you know, but uh, that was just a, a cool thing. So as uh, Austin already mentioned to you, we've got the Easter season coming up. We are creating the two services to make room for you to invite uh, family members, friends who don't come to do that. Uh, we made it easy for you. We've gotten these uh, invitation cards on one side is for the Good Friday service. Here's my thing. If someone's already in another church, we're not getting you to give these to them. Now, if you know somebody that goes to a church that doesn't have a Good Friday service, invite them to Good Friday. I think it'll prepare them to worship on Sunday morning at their own church. But if you know somebody who doesn't go to church, someone who's searching or whatever, uh, the Easter Sunday morning is a great time, 9 and 11. You can come out here, and uh, it's just a very celebratory time, especially after the, the uh, incredible silence that we feel when we leave here on Good Friday. So please avail yourself of that. We're called to go in and make disciples. Part of that is seeking disciples out. Jesus went out. They didn't just like all walk up to him and say, hey, I'm there with you. He went out and he invited. So that we hopefully you can make this an easy way to invite your friends, coworkers. It's not that hard to do. Uh, I just encourage you to do that. Again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. A um, couple of things, the ways I'm going to start this out. Jesus has been about uh, removing demons uh, or just... Um, exercising demons out. He's been healing people. He has been pushing against the grain of religion. That's what he's been doing, and that's what he did. What did Jesus do? He pushed back, not on people who were not Christians, not on people who were struggling with stuff, but the people who thought they knew what they were doing and created their own religion is who Jesus pushed against. And so we're going to see this morning that Jesus pushed hard against the Pharisees and others. So um, there's important things in the world that people look towards. So the Muslims in Islam, you can look here, the next slide, they, they go to Mecca. Mecca is an important place for them to go to. It is sacred to them. You continue on and you have the Ganges River in India, the Hindus, they go there, and, and that's the last river I'd want to get into, but they go there, and they, it is sacred to them, and people you can see by the crowds, they just gather there to worship. In Japan, uh, Shintoism, they worship the island of Japan, so they have these things that they worship. In Jesus' time, the Judaizers, they worshiped the temple in Jerusalem. That was their big thing. That is where they went to worship. That is where they went to read the Torah, to study, to train under other people, and to do that. And so they had, that was important. And secondly, they had this, the next slide coming up, they had the Sabbath. 
remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Pharisees love the Sabbath. They talked about the Sabbath. They made stuff up about the Sabbath. This is what I'm going to push into. They made it to where you could not untie your shoes or tie your shoes on the Sabbath. If you walked more than 1,999 steps, you were breaking the Sabbath law. If you placed a, I think it was like a turnip, no, a, um, a radish into vinegar and it began to ferment, the radish was doing work and therefore the radish was breaking the Sabbath. You could only feed the lambs a handful of grain on the Sabbath. You could not work, you could not travail. And so the Sabbath was just this big, big deal. And the thing is, none of those rules were written in Scripture. None of those rules were there. God said, honor the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There was something about it, and we're going to explore that. There was something about the Sabbath that was important, and I would just say to you that the Pharisees totally missed it. They missed it. They created rules. They did things that they were comfortable with. So if you have your Bibles, uh, just turn with me uh, to Mark 2. We're going to start reading in verse 23. And we're just going to read through to the end of the chapter. This is the first part. So one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So just throw that up, up there. So the next slide, uh, they went through and they went and they just grabbed a handfuls of grain and they ate it. So that's what they were doing. Verse 24, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So just stop there for a second. They were walking and they were following Jesus, not to hear of his teaching, but to be critical. Never known people like that? You know, they were just going there. And to be honest with you, they were breaking their own rules walking with Jesus. But they didn't bring that part up. They didn't bring up the fact that they were walking. They were following after Jesus, looking at what was he going to do next in order that they could pounce on him. So the disciples went up. They're walking through. In those days, they had these different plots, and they had little pathways that go through the field. And they would go through, and they would allow for the eating of grain. So there's a verse... Um, Deuteronomy 23, 25, it says, If you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. So it was okay to go through and walk through the path and grab of the wheat and, and have some. That was perfectly within the, their rights to do. But the Pharisees had created more rules. They were not the outback of their time. No rules just right, right? They were not that. They were creators of rules, creators of things to add to Scripture, to make things more uh, constrained, frankly, to order people more. So they created rule after rule after rule after rule after rule after rule. And I'm sure some of you have been the recipient of rules that were not biblical being placed upon you in a church setting or whatnot. And Good Lord knows, it could be here too. There's been some things that were, we've done even unknowingly that have created rules that aren't scriptural rules. So Jesus came 
And he knew what he was doing, and he was coming to show them something. So let's continue to read verse 25. And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So this is, uh, there is so much in here. I could do a whole sermon on this part. But there's some things if you don't, if you're not clued into the history of the time, you might miss out on. So he goes back and refers to King David. So you have to get King David at the time was the one, was God's appointed king, and he was fleeing from Saul. Saul did not want any part of it. David was trying to be obedient, I would say even humble, and just avoided Saul, avoided the anger and the turmoil, was just going around and trying to avoid the things of the time. And David and his men were hungry, I would say even starving. And they were fleeing, and they were at this place. Have you ever been really hungry? I mean, really, really hungry. This is what they were. They were emaciated, and they were worn out. So they, they went into the temple, and inside the court, they had this table of the presence, and this fresh bread was put in there, and it was made. They took of the bread, and they ate it. And all the crowd goes, ooh. They ate of the temple bread. So here's Jesus walking through a field, and they're trying to get him on the spot. They're eating, his disciples are eating the grain, and uh, the Pharisees are on it, like crabs to meat, and they're trying to point it out, and Jesus refers them to David. So what's important about David? For one, it's important that he went in and he, he violated Sabbath rules because People are more important than rules. Just let that sit in for a minute. In God's economy, people are more important than rules. In the Sabbath tradition, it it was said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was started by God in in the creation when it said that God rested on the seventh day. He set an example that we are called to rest. So I don't have a lot of time to explain what a Sabbath is, but it is called for us to take time to rest, to stop striving, to stop doing, and find some peace in our life and to seek after God. But in the Old Testament, it became this rigid rule. It became this thing that was bigger than what God created. And also, I would say that Sabbath was a foreshadowing of something to come. Just a foreshadowing. So David was running, he was fleeing, and he was hungry, and he ate. David was soon to be King David, but his people, the people around him, didn't receive him right away. His his disciples did, but no one else did. So I just want you to think the allusion to Jesus here. Jesus was the true king, who if he had been received by the Pharisees and the scribes and the people, 
he would have been able to walk right in and take of the temple of the table of the presence and eat. And all the people would have celebrated because King Jesus was here. The Messiah had come. So you see, the Old Testament David was the one, the king who was to be appointed, and the people did not recognize him, and he fled. Jesus, in the same way, is fleeing. We read earlier in Mark 1 where Jesus got away from the crowds because people were pursuing him. We're going to see later what the Pharisees were looking to pursue. But in uh, verse uh, 27, he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Here's another thing where he is just drawing a line and saying that he is God. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. That was his favorite way to speak of himself, Son of Man. He came, he was God in the flesh, and he came that he might make things right and he might bring these people into freedom. So the Sabbath thing is important. I say Sabbath thing. It's important because religious people tend to make the rules. We're going to do rules. Like, I had the hardest time, and I mean, I've said this a number of times, and um, when, I, when I sat in, in a more of a fundamentalist-type church, I started hearing all these rules that didn't line up with what Scripture said. Well, you just got to do this. And I, and I just got this disdain in my heart. It's like, show me where Scripture says to do this. Now, I'm not talking about simple things like stand up after this song or sit down after that, show me in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying things that this makes you more sanctified, this makes you more holy for God, by God if you do these things. And the weight of that is crushing. Have any of y'all been under that weight? Just the weight of just, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And it becomes this performance mentality. There's got to be some people to get this. You just feel like you've got to do, 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 put out, put out, put out, put out. And that's what the Pharisees promoted. you got to give, and not just when you give, you got to let everyone know when you're giving. Here I am. I'm dumping this big load of change, I mean good change, like big change, into the, t the offering thing where the widow came in and gave her might, and she just said that was better. The Pharisees would go in and they would fast on their Tuesdays and Thursdays. And they would let the world go. They look miserable. You know, there's nothing worse than someone's fasting that looks miserable to me. I mean, to me, it should be a freeing time. And so they would just be like, you know, sort of like, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, I'm fasting. And so they were doing, 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 doing. And I just know everyone in here has been on the, the religious hamster wheel of doing doing, doing. But here's the thing. Jesus came to take care of that. He fixed that problem. We're going to go into why. But the Sabbath was made for God's people and their rest and was a foreshadowing of something to come. In Jeremiah 23, 5, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Here in Jeremiah, the prophet, he is talking about Jesus, who was of David's lineage, 
in the days are coming when a righteous branch will come up, a perfect branch will come up. Jesus was a better David. In the Old Testament, you see a lot of people, a lot of people did a lot of good things, but all of them were broken. Can you, can you agree with that? They, they all had their problems, and they were all foreshadowed to Jesus. Um, Jesus was a better David whose victory became the people's victory. Once you think about Easter, his victory became the people's victory. Though they never lifted a stone, remember David and Goliath? Though we never lifted a stone to accomplish it ourselves, Jesus was a better David. David went in when his brothers would not go to battle, could not go to battle, felt that they were unable to battle, and David went in and he grabbed the stone and he tossed it. And many of us go, I can't believe those guys did that, but that is the story of every Christian in this room. None of us could slay the dragon, if you would, or the giant of the sinfulness in our life and the need for a savior. None of us could defeat Satan but Jesus Christ. And we did not have to lift a stone. So if you have a picture of David and Goliath anymore, it's not a self-help story about how you got to go out and find your five stones and go slay your dragons. It needs to be where you're seeing Jesus is slaying that dragon, and you're along for it in the ride. You're being obedient to what Jesus is saying do, but he's doing the work. You just follow through in peace. And that's why the story of Sabbath is so important. You find that rest. You're letting Jesus do the work, and it's not you anymore. So the Pharisees are walking. They're trailing after him. Oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Jesus was like David, left alone by his brothers. He did what we could not do. So let's continue on in Mark 3, uh, 1 through 6. We're going to read the next part of the story. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Imagine if you were here today and, and, and you, you had something and there was a group here that were just waiting to see if someone, if God was going to heal somebody here today. And they were just ready to go, you can't do it because it is the Sabbath day. Don't do it today. A withered hand was not a, 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 a sickness that was going to kill them of that day. They could have waited. They were waiting for Jesus to see what he was going to do. So the Pharisees were on their perch ready to plot against it. So here's the thing. We just have to ask ourselves sometimes, are we ever pharisaical in our approach to people? Are we just sitting there waiting to look for something to go wrong, ready to point out what is wrong in this person's ideology and this person's thought? I know I have. You're just waiting, up. Oh, this isn't going to line up, this isn't going to line up, and then all of a sudden something happens, crab the meat. It's on it, right? And we're, we're on it, we're identifying what's wrong, but Jesus knew what was going on in this story. Verse 3, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good 
or to do harm, to save life, or to kill. But they were silent. Listen to the question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? So they were in a pickle. Is it okay to heal? Uh, I don't really know what to say. Oh, is it okay to kill on the Sabbath? And what he was doing here, the Pharisees were plotting to kill him. You see this early in the story. He knew their heart. Jesus was omniscient. He understood what was going on. He could read the room. They were looking for a reason to kill him. So Jesus asked this question that's far deeper. It's almost like a parable question. You know, Jesus tells parables and they're, they're, you don't quite get them unless you know the whole story. Here was that. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill, but they were silent. They didn't want Jesus to heal this guy's hand because it was a Sabbath day. Not because it was God's ordinance to not heal on the Sabbath or to fix, but because they just didn't want him doing it. It was against their rules. Verse 5, and he looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Listen to the verses in, or the words in verse 5. He looked around them with anger. I've come to a, a new part in my life somehow where I am recognizing in the right circumstances with the right spirit that it's okay to be against wrong when it comes to the things of the gospel. It's, against, it's okay to be angry at people that are preaching a different gospel. It's okay to be frustrated with that. It's okay to point it out with the goal of reconciliation, with the goal of speaking truth and love with grace, but it's okay to be against it. Jesus came into the synagogue ready to do war. A lot of people like, Jesus is sweet, he's meek, he's nice, he's a little buttercup. No, Jesus was angry. And I wonder, gosh, I look at my own life, I wonder if he were to walk in this room today and he were to scan the rooms and know what's going on in our hearts, know what's going on behind the scenes, know what's going on in our office, know what's going on in in things that we're saying and doing if he wouldn't be angry with us. But he was angry with the Pharisees. Matter of fact, he walked into the room, it's sort of like with a, with a, a bent to prove them wrong. So the guy with the withered hand, he looked at them with anger. He was angry because they were making up rules and were not focusing on things and that they wanted to kill him and that they were more angry if the man was healed than they would have been if he had followed the Sabbath. Man's rules, man's rules, man's rules. Just have to ask you, are there rules that aren't biblical Are there expectations that you've placed on yourself or others have placed on you that aren't biblical that are weighing you down this morning? 
Are you trying to be someone who you're not? Are you trying to fit into a certain system? Or are you free to be who God has created you to be? Is Jesus truly your Savior and Lord? Now I'm not asking that critically. I'm just asking you for to look in and say, you know, is there things that I'm laying upon myself trying to do to make other people happy? This was how the Pharisees ruled and how the people underneath them were in bondage. Imagine the person who was poor, who didn't have the right clothes, who didn't have the right offerings on the Passover feast, who didn't have everything, and the Pharisees walk in the room all elaborate, here I am, this is what it means, this is what it looked like to be a good Judaizer. You need to be like me. Imagine the weight upon it. And yet, in our church history, in American church history, there are tons of examples of rules that were put out that aren't biblical, that were there to not free people to do God's work, but to constrain them. And many have been fallen to that systematic approach. Jesus was against that. He was totally against it. He said that you might have, I came so that you may have life and life more abundant. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me just sort of drop the curtain for a second. Jesus was the answer to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the foreshadowing of Jesus. There would be no striving on that day anymore because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There is no more effort anymore, folks. There is no more earning God's favor. There's no more exertion. There's no more doing things to please other people. There's no more doing things to sit and be the number one person in line when God comes back. Jesus paid it all. That is good news. And too often we create the rules to fall in line and do the right thing because it's easier to do than do what Jesus asked us to do and depend on him. Did you catch that? It's easier to create rules for ourselves to live by to be comfortable with ourselves. Oh, I'm going to give this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to teach in this, and I'm going to do this, and, and that part of my little Christian life is going to be healthy and comfortable and right. Then I can do my work, and I can go on vacation, and I can do this, and all my ducks are in a row. No. When we are followers of Jesus... We listen to what the king says. It is a lot harder to do that. It is a lot harder to do that. When you walk into a place where people don't like you and Jesus says you're called to love them and do good to them, that's hard. I'd rather go Old Testament on them. Straight up. But Jesus says, do what I say. You're, the burden is easy when you do what I say and you do what I did, did or do. Follow after me. I am the shepherd. 
you and I are sheep. Do what Jesus says to do. And that is far harder. Church, I'd much rather have, rather than a bunch of super high moralistic attenders who come in here, who are doing the right checkoff list, who think that they're doing right, I'd rather have none of that, and I'd rather have a room full of people who are uncertain about today, but trust Jesus, they're going to do whatever he says to do. If he says, hey, I want you to move to Africa, Pam, you move to Africa. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm saying that that's the case. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not going to fit Jesus into your box. He's going to rip you out of your box and, and make life for you to follow. And that's where true freedom is. So let's, let's look at something. Uh, let's pat, go on to the next slide. Colossians 2.16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Until last week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally confess to you. In Isaiah 1, I don't have time to turn there. Isaiah 1, God says, I hate your Sabbath. In Isaiah 58, he says, you do things that you want to do on the Sabbath. And I've been trying to fit. Isaiah 58 is big for us as a church, but I've been trying to fit. What is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? Newsflash, Jesus is the Sabbath. Listen to him and you have rest. Find him and the burden is light. Trust him and you can do what you do what he calls you to do and the burden is easy. And when we listen to Jesus, we have Sabbath rest. It's not just for a day anymore. Folks, I don't know. I, for me, that's like 20 years of searching. I feel a little ridiculous about it. He does too. He thinks I'm ridiculous. <laughs> hey, Noah. I thought there was an equation for the Sabbath. I've got to not do Pharisee, right? I've got to be still, possibly Pharisee. I've got to do this, do this, not do this, not do this, not do this, and therefore I have a perfect Sabbath day and I'm being obedient. I searched for 20 years how to do that. The answer is Jesus. You do what he says. You leave this church today with a plan. And he tells you to go left when you were going right, you go left. He tells you to speak a word to somebody that you don't even know, say, I want you to go over there, I want you to put your hand on their shoulders and say, can I say something to you? And he tells you to do it, you do it. If he tells you to give uh, overabundantly, you give overabundantly. If he tells you to invite a neighbor to dinner, you invite a neighbor to dinner. If he tells you that he wants you to, to sell your RV so that you can fund this, you sell the RV. If he tells you that I want you to do this or do that, you do that. That is far harder, yet the results are a peace that passes all understanding that I think all of American church are looking for. Y'all been looking for peace? I've been. 
The answer is Jesus. Don't let anyone judge you about food or drink or festival or new moon or Sabbath. They are but a shadow. You ever try to catch a shadow? I see my shadow's right here. It's like, you know, here I go. If I keep chasing that, what's going to happen? I'm going to hit the wall. Thank you. Not if I turn to the right, but I'm going to get tired, right? I see it. There it is. There it is. I chase it right out. And, and we have just gotten so exhausted. I think we have an exhausted church. I think some of you in this room are exhausted. Because we've been trying to do things, create roles that fit us, tried to do them all and check all our boxes when God says there's freedom we sang that last song that last song was about 50 times louder y'all sang it than the first three songs does freedom and rest truly reign in this place the only way it reigns in this place if you, as if you and I let Jesus sit on the rightful throne and we obey the king. Not dictates from man, not uh, an internet guy that says something and we think that he's got it all figured out, but when King Jesus speaks, we listen. My prayer and desire is that you and I We'll quit chasing the shadow of the Sabbath of rest that's impossible. Would you all stand as we get ready to come to communion? So the song that uh, the worship team is going to be singing is Come As You Are. It's not about a show. It's not about anything. But I just want to say that if you would, in your heart, just recognize, even in your seats right now or where you're standing, that you have been chasing a shadow. You've been trying to create rules in your own life to make them fit, and it's worn you out and you're tired. Just acknowledge it to Jesus. You don't have to say it to me or anyone up here, but you can. We'll, we'll sit there. We'll pray for you. Say, I have been, I've been chasing my shadow. I've been running hard. I've been exerting myself, and I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm angry, and I'm done. Seek Jesus out this morning. Come for him that you might find that Sabbath rest I think that we're all looking for. Heavenly Father, as we come to communion and remember what Jesus, what you did, Lord, may we be grateful. You're our answer. You're our everything. You're the equation. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Jesus, would you reign in this place? 
would you give us Sabbath rest every day? Lord, I pray that your people, that we as your people, Lord, would say yes to you and no to everyone else. That we would forsake the things that we think are important to do what you have called us to do. And Lord, you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come.